FS2R family, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of From Seeds to Roots, where we plant new seeds surrounding our perceptions, traditions, values, and mindsets. If you are new to the show, welcome. I'm your host, Alexis Simone, and on this episode of FS2R, we will dig deep to discuss what is the true definition of self-love? Emotional cutoff and how it relates to self-love? Should we change the status quo of saying the phrase, I love you to toxic family? And can self-love have a dark side to it? Stick around because later I'm going to drop a few seeds in your pocket for you to consider planting based on the topics discussed in this episode. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then sit back, relax, and get ready to plant some seeds on from seeds to roots. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm Alexis Simone, and y'all, I'm so excited for this episode today because this is a topic that needs to be broadcasted damn near every single day, everywhere you go. The topic of self-love is so needed, especially in this time that we are in. This is going to be part one of a two-part series So definitely check out next episode, part two of the forces of love when we break down the wounded inner child. Today, we are just going to strictly focus on self-love and acknowledging the self as a whole. Shout out to everybody who is tuning in on YouTube and Spotify. So yes, to all my YouTube subscribers, you can definitely check out the show when you're on the go on Spotify. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who is supporting the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we are going to kick this thing off like we always do and go into our SMART goals. So if you are new to the show and you are not familiar with what a SMART goal is, I am just going to briefly break it down for you. For everyone who has been tuning in and who are familiar with what SMART goals are, just sit back, relax, chill, vibe with me, because we're just going to briefly go into this, okay? So for those of you who are not aware with SMART goals, SMART is an acronym that stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-Bound. They are goals to help you set clear objectives and parameters for accomplishing whatever desired action you wish to take. So specific talks about what are you trying to accomplish and what steps will you take? Measurable discusses what will you use in order to achieve your goal and how often will you measure the goal. Attainable discusses will you be able to even complete your goal and are there any additional skills and resources that you'll need in order to do so. Realistic deals with how does the goal relate and align with your current mission and your purpose. And time bound is what is your desired time frame to even complete the goal. Please keep in mind that the time frame should also be realistic in that certain goals may take longer to complete, like our goal of today, self-love, right? <laughs> so now that we have that brief description of what SMART goals are, I am going to go into the two SMART goals that I did create for this episode. So let's go. SMART goal number one is create your own definition of self-love based on your principles, values, beliefs, emotions, patterns, and behaviors. And the second SMART goal, I'm going to go over it towards the end of the episode because it does tie into one of the seeds that we are going to plant. So just stay tuned for that. Now that we got that out the way, let's dig deep and let's get into our discussion. I'm going to kick this thing off by asking you guys a question. What is the definition of self-love? If someone asks you, what is self-love? What would you say? How would you describe what self-love is? 
Self-love has no real clear definitive meaning because everyone's perception of self and how to love oneself is different. Now, there may be similarities amongst different people's answers. However, self-love is truly defined by how deep and how far you've grown into not only the comforts of yourself, but also the discomforts of yourself, which is something that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge. To all my listeners, do you all think that it's possible for a person to have love themselves? Meaning, is it possible to only love yourself to the depths of your own self-pleasure and your own self-comforts? Drop a comment and let me know. People tend to manipulate and put themselves in an illusion in order to fall in love with the version of who they think they are. And we see it all the time. And we don't really notice it until a problem persists in a relationship with something or someone outside of the self. The desire to love oneself is a skill that requires you to not only be honest with yourself about who you truly are, but to also push yourself to a limit of discomfort where you may have to hate yourself in order to eventually fall in love with yourself. And sadly, a lot of people choose to wear a mask and hide who they truly are in order to justify the quote unquote love that they claim that they have for themselves. The love for self is a science in its own because the self is comprised of so many different pieces, fragments, as well as abilities and disabilities. We have false belief systems surrounding our abilities and what we think we are not able to master within ourselves. And it is very common for us to leave this planet and to not master the true art of loving the self. On my journey, let me tell you, honey, I've met a lot of people who struggle and get stuck in their own cycles of self-hate. And unfortunately, they don't make it out of that cycle in their current lifetime. And I wanna be really specific here because you still have a lot of people who don't know that we do live past lives. And for some of us, we've lived many past lives. You'd be surprised how many souls have been on this planet for a very long time. And what you don't master in one life, you will be put through obstacles in the next life in order to help you master that skill or that lesson. Self-love is one of the top repeated felt lessons that we set ourselves up for learning over and over and over again in each life that we choose not to learn the lesson and master the art of loving the self. You know, it's the reason why a lot of us are placed in the environments and family structures that we're growing up in. And I'm sure most of you all who are listening can relate. Think back to what it was like growing up around certain family members that were chaotic, that you always had issues with. Have you ever sat back and thought, hmm, why am I always having issues with this person? Is it really me? Is it really that? What is it? You know, we don't even realize that this is a problem because we have been brainwashed into thinking difficult families are normal. And I'm not going to discuss families too much today because we are going to discuss that in part two of our conversation when we talk about the wounded inner child and its connection to toxic families. You know, you learn how to love and embrace yourself from the environment which you grow up in. And if you grow up in an environment where love is not being taught or shown to the individuals living there, unknowingly to you, the universe will present you with challenges that are meant to guide you into the direction of healing and growth. So self-love can be sought after, found, and hopefully you master it. And with everything that is happening and taking place with this whole great awakening, people are being guided to remove themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, and energetically as a whole from these toxic dysfunctional families in order to begin the process of healing and to start loving themselves. And I want to bring the focus and attention specifically 
on the emotional healing part because that is a major component to self-love and how one feels in regards to the self overall. Now, I am going to discuss uh, Murray Bowen and his theory on emotional cutoff and how it relates to the importance of fulfilling one's own cup. So those of you who are not familiar with Murray Bowen, Bowen was a psychotherapist who developed the family systems theory. He worked with children who were diagnosed with schizophrenia and their families back in like the late 40s and early 50s. He believed that schizophrenia in a child was the result or manifestation of unhealed family trauma being passed down from previous generations. He, as well as others, did a lot of studies on families and the whole family dynamic after World War II. And he focused on the triad, so the mother, the father, and the child. And he took a look at the family trauma through the generations by focusing on what he called triangles. And I'm not going to get too in-depth with triangles. I am just going to give you a brief like synopsis of what it is. So triangles or the triangulation theory describes individuals that make up the triad. So the mother, the father, and the child. When one of those individuals are exposed to anxiety and stress from another person of the triad, that person who exposes the stress or anxiety naturally seeks out closeness from a third party and forms what is called a triangle in order to cope with the stress and the anxiety that they experience and to maintain a sense of closeness with the individual that they are experiencing the stress and the anxiety with. So for example, a common triangle deals with what? Mother, father, and child. Mama and daddy start having issues. It is very common for them, for either mom or dad, to use the child as that third party in order to cope with the stress in their relationship. And let me tell you something, that is a very common pattern that we see in household after household after household, generation after generation after generation, that we don't even really realize that is a problem. You know, a few months ago, I came across Bowen in his work while I was researching topics surrounding life coaching and self-healing. And while I was reading like the journal articles surrounding him and his theory on family systems, I was pretty amazed at how much he focused on the family unit as a whole and not just the child in their schizophrenia diagnosis, which at that time, it was completely unheard of for a researcher to do that, to hold the generational family structures on both the maternal and the paternal sides accountable for the role that they played in helping to manifest the schizophrenia in the single child. Some of his colleagues, you know, they did. They thought his ass was crazy for that shit because he simply was not just blaming the child and their quote unquote faulty genes. And that is something that a lot of professionals, they still do today. They do, in a sense, blame the child for their diagnosis. Not many of them stop and consider if there's any generational unhealed emotional trauma that has been passed down or if there's any past life karma that has helped to manifest the diagnosis or quote unquote disorder in a person. And we don't have to just look at it through schizophrenia. We can take a look at it through other diagnoses like autism, depression, ADHD, etc. But I'm not going to go into that. You know, I am not a licensed professional, so I'm not going to go too deep into diagnoses and whatnot. Um, there are definitely plenty other people who do talk about that. But I simply just wanted to give you all a breakdown of Bowen and his theory. So now I do want to talk about his theory on emotional cutoff and how that relates to fulfilling one's cup. So what is emotional cutoff? Emotional cutoff is how people handle their unresolved emotional attachments to their parents. All people to some degree have some level of unresolved emotional attachment specifically to their parents. And the degree of unresolved emotional attachment is based on the scale of differentiation. 
Differentiation is how individuals are able to separate their emotional and intellectual systems. People who are more on the lower end of differentiation, they do tend to fuse their emotional and intellectual systems together and operate at a level where their intellect is completely taken over by their emotions. The lower the level a person is on the scale of differentiation, the more intense their unresolved emotional attachment will be. Whereas on the flip side to that, people who are more highly differentiated are able to stay in tune with their intellectual system so that they can maintain control over their emotions. Differentiation, it is further broken down to describe the pseudo or the false self as well as the solid self. The pseudo or the false self has a lower level of differentiation and people who do operate out of the pseudo self, they will emotionally fuse with other people in order to fill the void of what is lacking emotionally within them. Whereas individuals who are more solid, they have a higher level of differentiation and can maintain their own individuality around others by not fusing their emotions with others. When you all think of emotional fusing, I don't want you all to think of it as, okay, a more highly differentiated person lacks empathy and compassion for others. No, that is not what that means. When you don't emotionally fuse with another person, it means you are able to keep your emotions in check as to where you can still emphasize with another person, but without being emotionally persuaded by that other person and their feelings towards a topic or whatever the situation is. You are still able to maintain your individuality by feeling how you genuinely feel while simultaneously understanding others' feelings, okay? So the whole concept of emotional cutoff deals with the way people separate themselves emotionally from the past in order to start their lives in the present generation. So when a person, you know, separates themselves from any type of trauma related to their parents, it deals with how people start over with their significant other and their child, etc. The unresolved emotional attachment can be characterized by denial or isolation of self while living close to the parents. Um, separation, withdrawal, emotional isolation, or in extreme cases, just physically running away. The more intense the cutoff with the past, the more likely it will continue through generations if not resolved. And, you know, this is definitely something that I've experienced growing up just dealing with toxic family. Um, I couldn't stand being around certain motherfuckers. I'm gonna keep it honest, because at that time, I felt like I couldn't be myself. There were times growing up when I felt like I had to pretend and be a version of myself that everyone liked, or should I say, felt comfortable with. At that time, especially as a kid, even as a teenager, um, before you like move out of the house and just be on your own, there's really no such thing as being authentic. There's no such thing as speaking truth, especially with me being a Sagittarius. A lot of people couldn't fucking stand how honest I was about them and who they were. When you're dealing with adults who are more emotionally fused and still wear a mask and who still aren't solidified with who they are as people, that is very that can be very traumatizing in a sense to have someone younger than you speak truth and honesty about who you truly are, especially if the person is still hiding behind a mask. Um, you know, when I went away for college and even after I graduated, I definitely separated myself from some of those individuals emotionally and physically way before I had my awakening. And I didn't experience this with just family. I've also experienced this as a child, you know, around kids in, in school. For example, I remember <laughs> this one day in third grade, right? It was lunchtime and, you know, everybody's at the table talking, eating, just doing what kids do, right? 
But while I was conversing with one of the girls who was sitting across from me, I accidentally spit on her pizza. <laughs> I didn't mean to, you know, it, it was honestly, it was a mistake. And instead of her saying something to like the lunch shade and getting another one, she just sat there pouting and complaining about how hungry she was. And it was my fault that she was going to starve. And I, I felt bad. I did not mean to spit on her food. Y'all know, y'all, y'all know how it is when you having a good ass conversation, even if you is a kid and you ain't talking about life and real shit, you know, you accidentally spit a little something, something out. It, it happens, right? It was truly an accident. Um, but I told her just, you know, ask for another one. She wouldn't do it. Now, I don't know if she had issues in her home as far as not eating or having access to food. You know, at that time we were in third freaking grade. We naturally, kids naturally don't think that deeply. But her solution was, I'm just going to sit here and victimize myself and punish you because you're the person that made me hungry. Her response emotionally was a reflection of her level of differentiation and the emotional patterns that were passed down onto her. Because I'm going to tell you right now, y'all already know there's some motherfucking kids who get, Ooh, I'm not eating that. And they will walk their ass up proudly to that lunch line and go get them another pizza. Not every baby is going to sit there and say, I'm like, I can't eat. And that's not me poking fun at the girl or nothing like that. But I'm just saying, everyone's emotional responses are different. And after that situation happened, she didn't speak to me for a few days, honey. She was pissed. She was. Like, she was really punishing me over an accident. And also had the nerve to convince other girls, like in the class, because I was in homeroom with her. I was in the same class as her. She also convinced some of the other little girls not to speak to me because she was mad. Now, remember earlier when I was talking about the pseudo self and how individuals who do act out of the pseudo self who are more lower differentiated, those individuals are more emotionally driven and they have to emotionally fuse with other people in order to find comfort. Whereas someone who is more solidified, who is more highly differentiated like myself, you know, her ignoring me, it, it didn't really bother me as much because there were other kids in the class, but you know, that was still my friend. You know, I still felt the need to make it up to her. But what's interesting, looking back at it, it was like she used my mistake as a way to emotionally manipulate me into comforting her. And I've, I've dealt with this as a teenager, even still now as an adult. You know, in, in the past, one of my toxic patterns that I had was to always mold myself in order to please emotionally driven codependent people. It's like I, in a sense, quote unquote, I had to conform because the moment that I stepped out of line and displayed characteristics of myself that made another person feel threatened, insecure, mad or whatever, I was labeled as the problem. I was always the one who had to apologize to make everyone else feel better. Meanwhile, the people I was apologizing to, those were the very same ones who were manipulating me, projecting onto me and using my weak spots and my triggers as a decoy to cover up their own problems and insecurities. You know, as I mentioned before, which I, I y'all, some of y'all can hear it. I do. I, I got a smart mouth, honey. I'm not afraid to say what the hell I need to say and speak how I feel and be honest. But where I failed is not having, I don't want to say where I failed, where I lacked is not having complete control at the time over my emotions. And because other individuals knew that about me, listen, when you are still learning 
who you are and how to master yourself, other people who see and know that, oh, they will take advantage of you for their own benefit. And the sad part is what they don't realize is what they're doing, it doesn't even benefit them. It makes them feel worse in the end, especially when you do become cognizant of who you are and what's happening and you start walking away and living your truth and they can no longer project and use you. That fucks them up even more. But for me, I've always dealt with people who were emotionally driven, emotionally attached, codependent, and had some lack of self-worth, whether it be family members, co-workers, and friends. But what's interesting is that most of my quote-unquote karmics or most of the people that I learned lessons from were karmic feminines in general. But what's interesting is that in my relationships with men, some of the men that I dated would express codependency, emotional attachment, especially if they grew up around feminine energies who displayed those characteristics like their moms, their sisters. Over the past few years, like especially during like my healing process and really digging deep to figure out myself and what I need to work on within me, you know, I thought about it like, why the hell did I attract so many fucking pseudo self emotionally codependent people, especially women, like in the community, whether it be family, friends, co-workers, the people that I've dealt with in general, men and women, they all had that victim mentality, no matter who it was, even when they knew they were in the wrong. And they also displayed characteristics of manipulation, being overbearing, dominant, controlling. And looking back, I realized what was happening on the 3D, on the physical level, was this whole mirroring effect. And for those of you who are not aware of the mirroring effect, it's pretty much when you mirror back or reflect qualities that you possess to another person who lacks those qualities and vice versa. For example, let's just say you're someone who is very self-assured and confident and you work with someone at your job who is less self-assured and confident in their work and skills than you are. And we've all experienced this to some degree. The way that you carry yourself at your job in general is going to reflect or shine a light on those qualities that you do possess, as well as on those qualities that your coworker lacks, or should I say, has less of. And depending on where your coworker lies on the scale or level of differentiation, it can either not really bother them or it can cause an emotional disturbance in them that is so deep, it makes them feel like they have to do things like try to knock down your confidence so you don't reflect or mirror those insecurities that they have, be manipulative, get you fired, or emotionally fuse with other individuals who are on the same level of differentiation as them. And they all try to band together and make you look less than. You know, we have to look at situations and issues deeper than, oh, this person's just jealous or this, that, and the third. Most of the time, actually, it is unhealed emotional trauma that a lot of people don't know that they have. Everyone's so accustomed to living this fake false life and putting on this illusion, especially when your ass is at work. Honey, nobody is authentic at work. Everyone is fake as fuck just to get that fake ass illusionary money. Everyone is putting on a show to keep their job. Let's keep it real. But on a 5D level, on a higher level, what I was experiencing were lessons to help me emotionally heal wounds of not just myself, but those that were passed on from previous generations. And a lot of people don't realize that every single one of us, and this is crazy because I learned this back in college, um, you know, when I was taking anatomy and physiology, a lot of people don't really know that 
everyone gets their mother's mitochondria. Now, the mitochondria, it's an organelle that deals with your ATP, your energy. So whatever emotional trauma, unhealed trauma that your mother has experienced, their mother, and so on and so forth, that shit will be passed on down to you, which is why it's so important to heal and clean that shit up. When I say heal, we have to look at healing on a deeper level too. A lot of the healing that needs to be taking place is a lot deeper than just going to therapy and talking to somebody. A lot of people should start considering um, getting like either Reiki healing done or going deeper and getting like a past life regression done to really go back in time and clear out all that karma and all that trauma. And I will tell you something, whenever I figured this out, as far as what I was experiencing and why I was going through certain situations and lessons with people, I was kind of pissed off about it because I was looking at it from a situation of, well, why do I have to be the one to clean up everybody else's shit? I have my own stuff to worry about. But <laughs> the universe reflected back to me like, listen, sweetheart, goddess, we're, we're not making you be the cleanup woman for other people's problems. We know that there's people that are not going to take accountability and heal their own problems. But what we want you to do is to use them as a guide to help heal yourself so that you can get rid of whatever was passed down to you, projected onto you, and also what you developed as a result of your experiences with them so that you don't pass down those old broken cycles onto your new legacy that you're destined to create. That was the reality of it on the 3D and on a 5D scale for me. But what people have to know and be comfortable with knowing is that in order for you to heal and shed all that within you, you have to separate yourself physically from people energetically, emotionally, you do. And depending on who you are and where you fall on the level of differentiation, whether it's a lower level, more moderate level, more higher level, separation could be the hardest part, especially when you're separating from family. That is toxic. Not everyone is equipped to separate themselves energetically, spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally from people they were always around. And let me tell you, for those of you who do struggle with this, you have to understand separation is needed for the preservation of self. Not only the preservation of self, but the discovery of self. Without self, you don't have anything. Your self is literally the connection to source. You have to get a relationship with self before you get a relationship with other people. And we have a tendency to reverse it and say, no, you have to have a relationship with these people and, and then you get a relationship. No, yourself comes first. That is true. You don't believe me? Take a look at astrology and the first house in the zodiac wheel. The first house is Aries. What does it represent? Self. It deals with your physical appearance, your temperament, who you are. And it breaks down even further. You don't start talking about relationships and other people until you get to the seventh house, which is Libra. Everything starts off with you, even in astrology. So why would you not take the time to focus on yourself first and get to know who you are as a person? And for those of you all who are not familiar with um, birth charts, I highly recommend that you take a look at your birth chart and discover who you are on a whole scale, not just your sun sign, but who you are on a whole scale and discover why you interact with people in certain relationships. Why do you take pride and joy in certain jobs? Why do you value and 
acknowledge the things that you value and acknowledge. It's a very, very deep, intricate look at who you are, not only on a physical sense, but also on a spiritual sense. And it also helps you discover what it is, what karmic pathways you need to learn and master in order to move to the next level. It's very deep. But the only way for you to really discover and start knowing different things about yourself is to get by yourself and preserve yourself, preserve of what you have left of yourself. Because a lot of times we spend so much time giving ourselves away to other people, especially to people that, you know, don't deserve you. Let's keep it a buck. A lot of these folks that we grew up around don't deserve us. So preserve what you have left of yourself to, to discover more of yourself and start to give back and nurture yourself. But keep in mind, even after you do reevaluate and get a solidified knowing of yourself, eventually you will have to go back to the environment or the environments that you left in order to seek closure with yourself or those you emotionally cut off. And from my experience, I noticed three different results when walking away from toxic individuals, especially family, prior to my awakening and after. So prior to my awakening, the cutoff, it was physical with more of a suppressed emotional cutoff. But it was me walking away because shit at the time hit the fan and I just wanted to finally be free and done with, you know, the toxicity that was going on and to be away from all the bullshit that came with me trying to have this fake forced relationship simply because I was related to certain individuals. And let's keep it real. A lot of us on this journey, we were manipulated in some form of fashion to stay bound and to hold on to these toxic families simply because they're a family. But the second cutoff happened during my awakening while I was going through a process called the dark night of the soul. And, you know, I don't really want to call it a cutoff because it was me simply purging and releasing what the universe was reflecting back to me as toxic. I didn't really realize who some people really were because, honey, that mask that they asses were wearing, it was tight as hell. I mean, you really don't know who a person is until God shows you who they truly are. And, you know, that was difficult. It was coming to the grips of my reality about how some people genuinely felt what people were saying behind my back. That shit was a slap in the face. But, you know, like I said earlier, you know, eventually you have to go back to some of those same people in some of those same environments. A lot of times you won't really know how toxic your environment was until you go back and either, you know, learn additional lessons you start getting truth and clarity on things that happened to seek closure with them or yourself because you're not going to seek closure with everybody. But you need that experience so that you can better understand why you had to release that person or those people in general. And the third cutoff that I experienced was me just officially cutting the cords. After I learned all the lessons and I got all the insight and all the info about why some of these individuals who were karmics to me, let's keep it a buck, they were meant to teach me lessons about loving myself and learning myself. And once I mastered that shit, I just closed out the cycles so that I can be free and finally live the life that I do desire to live, that I have been wanting for a very long time. But in the process of you cutting cords and closing out the cycles, you know, that is time for you to speak your truth and tell why you're closing out the cycle, why, you know, you can no longer deal with a certain person or certain individuals. 
Other people will not always take accountability or give you closure. Hence is why that's important to fill your own cup and to love yourself in ways that others could not love you. And that it's deeper. It includes self-kindness, self-compassion, self-joy, self-trust. Learn how to trust yourself before you put your trust in another person. Trust yourself first. Trust your own inner guidance, your own inner knowing. Get a sense of self-acceptance. Accept yourself for who you were, who you are, and who you plan to be in the future as you continue to grow and heal. And most importantly, give yourself a sense of gratitude. Show yourself some gratitude. Be thankful for yourself, for being in a hurt space, for being in a dark place, because that was what you needed in order for you to get to the other side. In order to grow, in order to heal, in order to start knowing and acknowledging what is needed for you and what is no longer working for you. But keep in mind too, not everyone that you do cut ties and cords with will see it from that perspective or see it from a perspective of, okay, this person is closing out a cycle because there is still some unhealthy toxic shit built up within me that they don't want to partake in. So therefore, let me go work on myself in order to do better. No, that, that that's, a fa- that's a fantasy. <laughs> that is a fantasy, okay? Remember what I said earlier. Self-love is one of the top felt repeated lessons that we set ourselves up for learning each lifetime we choose not to learn it. So with that being said, expect some people to not do the necessary work to love themselves and fulfill their own damn cup. Also too, Expect for people to label you as angry, resentful, and toxic whenever you cut the cord with them so that you can be happy. And I just recently had this happen when I was telling somebody why I don't deal with certain individuals of my family, why I don't come around the family as a whole. And of course, they got into that, oh, well, you need to learn how to forgive. And I told them, I said, let me tell you something. You can forgive people and still move forward. That happens every day. Now, whether you acknowledge that, that's a reflection of your mentality, of your perception, So for those of you all who are listening and you know that you're guilty of doing this to another person whenever they walk away from you or someone else, instead of looking at that individual who was walking away as resentful or hurt or unforgiving, why don't you take a look at yourself and your mentality and think, hmm, what is it about me as to where I cannot accept that people can be healed and still move on from other people in order to continue to be happy? A lot of people don't do that. Why do you feel as though that a person has to be bound to a toxic situation or a toxic person in order to be healed, forgiving, loving? People can cut out what no longer serves them, and that includes people, and be in a state of love, in a state of joy, in a vibration of love, in a vibration of joy, without being bound to that person or that previous cycle. For those of you all who are on the journey and who are in the process of walking away from toxic individuals, specifically family in general, um, listen, those individuals who are more emotionally fused, they will try to guilt trip you when you decide to no longer emotionally give to them so that you can emotionally start giving to yourself, especially when you're on a spiritual path. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. It's okay. It's difficult at first. But eventually you get to a place where, you know what, your self-happiness and your self-worth is more important than another person's opinion. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's an opinion of theirs that stems from unhealed emotional trauma, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. 
it's okay to outgrow the people who are meant to teach you lessons about growing into yourself. Emotionally fused people, they will try to control you in order to live vicariously through you. And it's okay to close the book and say, you know what? Instead of trying to emotionally live through me, acknowledge what is lacking inside of you and work on it to a point where you now want to live life through yourself in your own lens. And if that makes me a bitch or whatever they want to call you, claim that and be proud. Because at the end of the day, you got self-love. And I said all this to say, healing unresolved emotional attachments and fulfilling your own cup, it isn't easy. Especially when you adopted traumatic emotional patterns from unhealed past generations. Another um, theory that Bowen did talk about was the nuclear family emotional process. And that whole theory describes the emotional patterns during a single generation. So the mother, father, and child. The mother and the father, they portray the past emotional patterns of their parents and pass them on to their children. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how we learn how to love and embrace ourselves from the environments in which we grew up in. So definitely tune in next week for part two of this discussion. I am going to break this down even further when we discuss the wounded inner child and how wounded children help manifest these toxic families. We can no longer place the blame on certain people or certain generations for that matter for the dysfunctional family structure, especially in the indigenous household. Everyone plays a role in the dysfunction, no matter how big or how small the role is and whether folks want to acknowledge it or not. So yes, definitely tune in next week for part two, The Forces of Love. We've been talking a lot about self-love and how people are starting to move away from dysfunctional family structures in order for them to heal and gain a relationship with themselves. Gaining, acknowledging, and finding a love for the self, it is the basis for being authentic, especially for those of you who are on a spiritual journey. In episode one, I discussed authenticity and the importance of becoming more authentic on a whole scale. So when we talk about the importance of being your true authentic self and connecting to source, we must know that the people we choose to surround ourselves with, who we say we love, and most importantly, why we love those individuals is also tied into being authentic. So I'm going to ask this question. It may come off as a little bit controversial in a sense, but I definitely look forward to hearing you all's feedback in the comments about this. Should we continue to use the phrase, I love you so loosely with family who we would consider toxic and dysfunctional and who we genuinely don't feel connected to? This is a very deep question, especially when we tie authenticity into it. A lot of us feel obligated to express this so-called feeling of love that we claim we have to individuals that are toxic to us simply because of their familial tie. But I don't think a lot of people realize how much of a high vibration love really is. For goodness sakes, I mean, the heart chakra, that's all about love. That's the midway point between your lower and your higher self. And in order for a person to operate out of their heart chakra and genuinely embrace the energy of love, those first three chakra centers have to be healed and let's keep it a real. A lot of individuals who are toxic within families who are still operating out of past unhealed emotional patterns and trauma, they're still operating out of the lowest portion of their root chakra. 
So if a person is still operating out of their root chakra and that root chakra hasn't even started to heal yet, how the hell can they genuinely operate out of a place of love for not only themselves, but for other people, especially within the family? So yes, I am asking this question. Should we say I love you because we genuinely mean it and not because we feel obligated due to a person's familial title? Now, we don't have issues expressing our true feelings about love when it comes to our intimate relationships. So why is it so hard or difficult to be honest and authentic when it comes to our families? For those of you who are listening, how would you feel if a family member of yours, you know, who you always would say I love you to just because, you know, it seems like the right thing to do, quote unquote. How would you feel if that person truthfully and mindfully came out and told you, I'm sorry, but I, I don't love you. There's not a strong enough connection for me to fully embrace the energy of love with you. How would you feel? For those individuals within our family dynamics that we don't feel connected to and we don't feel a true sense of love from, should we make it a social norm to somewhat court or date them in an almost similar fashion to how we would, you know, significant others? But should we kind of court them in order to build a better bond so we can get to a place of love? and not just say it because, oh, that's just the right thing to do. I think so. And let me be honest, me personally, I do have family members that I don't genuinely love per se because of the chaos and conflict that not only I had to endure with them, but there was no real energetic connection that matches the vibration of love, especially now that I'm in a place where I am loving myself in ways that other people were not able to love me. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to claim fake love just to save face. I'm not doing that. That's a part of me being authentic and stepping in my truth and my power. But even though I don't genuinely love them, I do love the lessons that came with them because they did help me fall in love with myself. And I am grateful for those lessons that they provided me. It wasn't easy. It was difficult as shit, but had the lessons not come through them, it would have came through someone else or something else for sure, you know? So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing you all's feedback in regards to that, because I think that's something that we need to start addressing, especially when we talk about being authentic and being on the spiritual path. A lot of people, you know, they, they need humbled. They do. They need humble, especially when it comes to the family dynamic. We're so used to operating in this false illusion of keeping the quote unquote family together, it's time to break down those barriers and really show what our families have been representing. They don't operate, not everyone's, but for the most part in the indigenous community, they don't operate out of the foundation and the stability of true genuine love. A lot of our families do operate out of toxicity and trauma that a lot of people want to continue to hide and not speak up and out about. I do think it's important for us to express our true, honest feelings so that real healing and real questions can be asked about not only why does this person feel this way, but most importantly, what can we do so that we can better ourselves as a whole and start operating out of that energy of love so that we can have this real sense of family, not this fake sense of family that we're used to. You know, the journey of finding self and finally falling in love with the self, it's difficult. And once you get to a place where you finally begin to do that and you enjoy it and you embrace it, 
you're not going to want to go back to the bullshit in which you just came from. You're not. You know, sometimes you are going to want to just stay to yourself and keep to yourself because you know that the people around you, they're not able to reciprocate the love that you are able to give to you. We've been talking a lot about self-love and the high vibrational side of self-love. But to all my listeners, do you all think that self-love can have a dark side to it? When you hear the dark side of self-love, what thoughts, memories, events, or even images come to your mind? And I'm sure some of you may think about the dark side of self-love being connected to people who are very self-absorbed and egotistical, right? But what if we took a look at it from a different angle? Those of you who are on your journey, who are doing the work, and even if you still are in a place where you're still learning to acknowledge yourself and love yourself, embrace that. We're all at different stages on this journey. So do not feel ashamed or feel guilty you know, if you're not at a certain place, it's okay. Take your time. This is a life's journey. It's not meant to be completed within a certain time frame. But for those of you who have been doing the work and you continue to do the work to heal and elevate yourself so that you can attract the love that you do solely desire, on your journey, you can get to a point where you are so content with yourself and the love that you're now able to give to yourself that you know, you kind of say, you know, what, I'm good. I'm not interested in anyone, whether it's romantically, business partnerships, friendships, maybe even sometimes family, depending on the situation. And I can speak on this because that's what I'm going through in terms of relationships, intimacy wise. I'm kind of like, you know, what, I'm good. I got my show. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm content with giving to myself. But keep in mind, on the journey of self-love, we have to try to remain optimistic and flexible to love outside of the self. Those of us who are on this self-love journey, we can get wrapped up in ourselves. And subconsciously, we can kind of put up energetic blocks with outside love that wants to come in that is of a higher vibration. And just because you may not want that special somebody now, doesn't mean that eventually one day you will. And don't give me that shit talking about, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want nobody. They can stay over there. I'm good. I'm cool off this. No, we all want love. <laughs> and if you're on the spiritual path and you're doing the necessary healing work, you're naturally going to attract it, especially when you're operating through your heart chakra. You are. Self-love, it does have a sense of a quote unquote light and a dark side to it. It does. Too much attention and focus to yourself, it can become a bad thing. As I mentioned before, self-absorption, being egotistical. So I think it's important for us to remember to try to be in balance when it comes to self-love and keep the necessary boundaries up to protect yourself, of course, from anything or anyone that can be deemed as hurtful or deceitful. But we should also try to remain flexible so that the love that is high vibrational, that is genuine, and that is what we consider to be love based off of our definitions of love, is able to come in. So we reached the end of our discussion and just a, a quick recap, you know, um, we talked a lot about the self and the importance of loving self and how that ties into our environments and our family environments. And we're like I said before, we're going to dig deeper into this uh, next episode when we talk about toxic families and wounded children. But for those of you all who are struggling, um, 
with self-love and self-acknowledgement. It's okay. It's, it is not an easy thing. It's not. But as you continue to do the work and heal and dig deeper into yourself, my goodness, it is it is worth it. You all will be amazed at how much change and happiness and joy is brought into your life simply by focusing and loving yourself. You know, it it is sad because we see people every damn day that put their love, put their energy into material things and also that includes other people. A good amount of people today base their happiness, base their joy, base their whole livelihoods off of things that exist outside of the self. And it's sad. And whenever you tell them, hey, you need to start loving the self, you need to start paying attention to yourself, they think, no, being selfish is bad. That's not a good thing. You shouldn't just be to yourself. And it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with being selfish. Now, there is high vibrational selfishness and low vibrational selfishness. But you should love yourself enough to a point where you are willing to protect yourself from people, things, and situations that do not serve you on a soul level. Because self is connected to source. That's connected to your soul. And a lot of people do not understand that. And they wonder why they're still unhappy, even with having an entire group of people around them, even if they have a nice house, degrees, a nice ass fucking job, making a good amount of money. They're still not happy. It starts with the self. And yes, you are going to have people on this journey who try to make you feel bad for wanting a relationship with yourself. That's a real fucking thing. You will have people talk shit and try to make you feel bad for wanting to acknowledge and be with yourself simply because they're afraid to acknowledge who they truly are and do the work on themselves. Like I said before, it's very easy for another person to live vicariously through another individual. It's much more difficult to remove yourself from other people outside of you and to focus inward. That's hard as fuck for people to do. It is. As much shit as people like to talk, it's hard for them to do. I can speak truth to power on this. I've had a lot of people, even still now, try to make me feel bad for walking on my own path and closing out certain cycles with certain individuals. And guess what? I don't. You are not going to make me feel bad for loving myself enough to pick myself up and remove myself from an environment that was not doing me any justice. You're not. I think once people accept who they truly are, and start making the necessary changes, that's when true healing and true justice can be taking place. You know, there is still a lot of work that has to be done on the physical level. I mean, you still have people who claim they hashtag woke, but still focus on material shit. And I can give you an example. You know how many motherfuckers was talking shit about me being, you know, almost 30, which I'm 30 now, but at the time, almost 30, and still not having a fucking car? Oh, well, she ain't got a license. She ain't got a car. Da, 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 da. You're right. I don't. But guess what I have that you don't? Self-love. Self-surety. Now, don't talk shit about you for what you don't have on the physical. But how many of them are really going to poke fun at you like, ah, you ain't got no self-worth. They ain't going to do that shit because they're not engineered to focus within. So therefore, they'll try to make you feel bad about some shit on the physical. But let's keep it a buck. If you on a spiritual pathway, you don't give a fuck about this shit because you know a lot of this shit's getting ready to go away. So it don't even matter. Self-love. <laughs>
So we reached the end of the episode. Before we go, like always, I am going to drop a few seeds in you all's pocket for you to take with you on your journey. Um, Earlier in the show, I did go over the SMART goals. The first SMART goal was to create your own definition of self-love based off of your beliefs, your attitudes, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, what you value based off of who you are truly as a person, right? The second SMART goal that I had, I mentioned how I am going to purposely save it for the end of the episode because it does tie into one of the seeds that we're planting, right? So let's get into that. The first seed that I have for you all is based on the definition you created for self-love. Going forth, what standards will you hold others accountable for to ensure that they are properly reciprocating the love that you give to yourself based off of your own definition? So based off of that SMART goal, that first SMART goal you created, what standards will you create in order to hold others accountable for making sure that they are reciprocating the love that you give to you based off of that first SMART goal. So now here's the second seed that we're planting. Create an action plan on what happens when others violate or they don't abide by your standards. So that action plan that you create, that is your second SMART goal, okay? Now, this is where the real seed is. Your action plan that you create is a true reflection of your healing and your definition of self-love. So with that being said, thank you so much, you guys, for tuning in for another episode of From Seeds to Roots. I appreciate you guys being here. Definitely tune in for part two when we break down wounded children and how these wounded children who do lack self-love, so the ones who don't do the work, How do they help manifest these toxic ass families? That's going to be a very powerful show, very powerful discussion. So definitely tune in for that. Once again, shout out to everybody who's tuning in on YouTube and Spotify. I appreciate all of you guys for your comments, your likes, your shares, your feedback. Please continue to do so. If you love the content that I create, then definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the notification bell so that you don't miss any new seeds being planted. You can always follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at From Seeds to Roots. I'm your host, Alexis Simone. See you all next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Much peace, gratitude, abundance, love, self-love that is. Ashe.